Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant. For those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007 and am the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them let go of the pain of abuse and move on with their lives. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. In this week's episode, I will share with you the three ways that you can build a strong foundation for recovery from sexual abuse. Anytime we start a journey, we have to make sure that we've packed all of the things we'll need, a toothbrush, good hiking shoes, a map, and the same goes for when we start our journey of recovery from abuse. We want to make sure that we've got what we need before we step out. I've seen over and over again the negative outcomes that result when we don't build that strong foundation. So let's get started. You know, anytime we start a journey, we have to make sure that we've packed all the things that we'll need, you know, a toothbrush, good hiking shoes, a map. And the same thing goes for when we start our journey of recovery from abuse. We want to make sure that we've got what we need before we step out. You know, I've seen over and over again the negative outcomes that result when we don't build that strong foundation for our journey. So let's get into the three things that you can do to get off to a good start. And while I'm sharing, do be jotting down your questions and thinking about how these things apply to your life 
because I will be leaving time at the end of our call to uh, to check in with you and answer any questions that you have and, and do some work there. So the first foundation that we need to build in any journey is simply the belief that healing is even possible. If you're like me, I know that, you know, you've been to therapy, I know you've read books, I know you've tried just about everything under the sun, and yet it can still feel like you're running in circles, going around that same mountain over and over again. Or perhaps you're just now admitting that uh, the abuse happened and that it's affecting your life and you really do need to deal with it. Either way, there's likely a part of you that's wondering if you'll ever truly heal. And, you know, I really want to invite you to embrace and observe your inner doubter, but by no means give it center stage. For a while, allow yourself to see recovery as an adventure, as wild as that sounds, but one that's filled with exploration. Just be curious. Check things out. But don't allow yourself to stress about or anticipate the end results. You know, we each walk our own path of recovery, and sometimes a single experience will make everything fall into place, and sometimes it takes a variety of experiences. Um, I came across this uh, quote the other day, and while I don't know who said it, I thought it was actually really uh, poignant and, and speaks really to this topic. The quote said, the very act of believing creates strength on its own. Think about that. Just the, the act of stepping into the hope and stepping into the belief creates this strength that we can draw on because, you know, God knows this journey can be a hard one. You know, there are certainly days that I look back upon in my journey where I think, I don't know how I'm going to get through that day. Covers over the head, not getting out of bed, don't want to talk to anyone, don't want to be with anyone. Just really thinking, God, you know, there's no hope for me. Nothing's ever going to change. But when we can take on this first step of simply believing, stepping out in hope, stepping out in faith, that things can change, it bolsters us, it strengthens strengthens us. Then I came across the scene from Rocky Balboa. Now, this is probably the most unlikely (laughs) source that I ever expected to get some inspiration from. Uh, But, you know, who doesn't listen to Rocky, right? So I'm going to play this clip for you. Uh, It's his response to his son, who is, you know, kind of in this space where he's really lamenting, like, where he is in his life, and he's in his father's shadow, and things just aren't going his way, and he's, you know, just kind of... uh, in some ways, just kind of whining about it all. Uh, so I'm going to play this clip for you, and uh, and then we'll chat, chat about it afterwards. You ain't going to believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up to say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day. It was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man, and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. 
me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you've got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son. You're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. So, passion, right? First of all, <laughs> that just gets me going so much that the energy there and the passion. And I just love that, that final thought that he has. Until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. And it's really that simple. It's really over and over and over again when I'm working with my clients, that's where we start. That is the first step we take, making sure that there is a willingness to believe. And that's really all you need. It doesn't have to be a genuine, you know, like I'm absolutely 100% confident. It's just a willingness, an openness to believe that we can change, that we can heal, and that it doesn't have to be this way forever. And that's always the first step in any journey. You know, I'm working right now with a client who's 71 years old, and she is an absolute inspiration and really a model for us that it's just never too late. No matter what our circumstances are, no matter where we're coming from, no matter how many times we've fallen down, we can get up, we can heal, we can move on. So, folks, it's really important to tune in to how open you are to the possibility that your thoughts and behaviors can be adapted or modified and importantly, to explore what gets in the way of you believing that you can heal. And, you know, if you're in the chat room, I encourage you to share your thoughts on this or just jot down your questions, you know, what is getting in your way? What's stopping you from believing that you can heal? What do you notice over and over again? And we can take that on and we can maybe clear that out of the way for you tonight. All right. Let's take a look at the second foundation. The second foundation is really understanding that trauma is not a competition. Let me say that again. Trauma is not a competition. Nobody's keeping score here. So I'm going to read you this quote from Viktor Frankl, who says in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, a man's suffering is similar to the behavior of gas. If a certain quantity of gas is pumped in to an empty chamber, it will fill the chamber completely and evenly, no matter how big the chamber. 
Thus, suffering completely fills the human soul and conscious mind, no matter whether the suffering is great or little. Therefore, the size of human suffering is absolutely relative. You know, in working with people who've been abused, it's very common to hear minimizing statements like, it only happened once, or it wasn't that bad, or, man, you know, I know there are plenty of people who have suffered things that are way worse. And there's a very real psychological purpose behind minimization. It really prevents us from being overwhelmed by the experience and the thoughts and feelings that come along as a result. However, when we reach the place where simply suppressing or managing the effects of the abuse is no longer satisfying, these minimizations need to drop away. So in other words, trauma is not a competition. You're not up against anybody. And your story matters as much as the person's next to you. You don't get fewer points for being abused once as opposed to many times. As Frankel says, suffering, be it great or little, has a way of filling our minds and our hearts to capacity, taking over our thoughts, guiding our behavior. So rather than trying to escape the impact of the abuse through minimization, we need to take the time to really fully acknowledge the extent to which we've been changed or hurt and to what extent that experience is interfering with our relationships an ability to have a life that we love right now, not somewhere down the line, right now. And, you know, in doing so, we will be able to deal with the areas of our life that have been impacted rather than remaining stuck, hurt, angry, because we continue to believe that our hurt wasn't great enough to justify giving it our attention, to warrant reflection, or even to get the support we need during our journey. So a lot of times I use this analogy with my clients about the elephant. The elephant represents the abuse. And for me, I was sexually abused by my grandfather when I was 10 years old. And when my parents found out what was happening, they were actually really great about it. You know, they got my grandfather out of the house. Uh, they sat me down in a room with a counselor, and uh, that first session with that counselor was, you know, terrifying. And uh, I just remember thinking, I do not want to talk about this. I do not want to face it. I don't want anyone to know. Let's just pretend that this didn't happen. Okay, let's everybody just pretend and let's go on with our lives. And in my true stubborn self way, man, I fought tooth and nail. I remember hiding in the closet. And then we also had this, like, uh, cupboard in the bathroom that was, like, horizontal. And I fit in there just right. And I would hide in there to avoid going to counseling. I just didn't want to face it. I wanted to push it away. I wanted to pretend that it was no big deal. I was fine. Well, what ended up happening is I I kind of took this abuse, my little elephant, and I put it in the corner, and I said, you stay over there in this cage. I'm moving on with my life. You don't get to have a say. I'm going to pretend you're not there. But then over and over and over again, you know, that elephant would get antsy and get frustrated about being caged in, and 
would come storming out, no matter how many locks I put there, no matter how hard I tried to hold it back, come stomping out onto my life and making a big old mess. So anger would come out, rage would come out, um, depression would come out, bad relationship, bad communication, acting out, being, you know, overdramatic or overemotional or overreacting to things. So the elephant would come tearing into my life, stomp all over everything. And then not only would I have to deal with, you know, pushing it back into the corner and exerting all of that energy to try to get it back contained, and then had all of these messes that I had to clean up. And sometimes, you know, we keep ourselves in that cycle of I want to just pretend it's not here and, you know, pretend it's no big deal. But it's impacting our lives. The abuse is impacting our lives. And so what we want to do is begin taking out little pieces, little bits. We don't want to open the cage and, like, you know, just let everything come flying out. And that's often one of the reasons why people avoid getting support or talking about abuse is because they're just afraid, well, if I open that door, everything's going to come falling out on top of me and I'm just going to be suffocated by all of this, not even going to be able to move. And that's why finding programs that really help you break things down into small parts, whether it's something like my Beyond Surviving program or other things that are out there and available, being able to, okay, let me look at the elephant's toe. Let me just look at that piece going on there. Okay, great. I see I can handle that. I'm all right. Let me take out this next piece. Look at that. Turn that over. And like, oh, that one really hurts. I don't really like that one. But take it out. Clear it. What's amazing is that by doing this, we are actually able to reach the place where it really is no big deal. Instead of the pretending it's no big deal, we reach the place where it's an actual fact. By acknowledging the impact of the abuse, you actually take a step towards removing its hold on your life. So it's really time. It's really time to get real about what's going on for you and letting go of that pretending. So one question that you can begin asking yourself is, What have I been minimizing or dismissing that I instead want to acknowledge and heal? Let me just repeat that question one more time for you. What have I been minimizing or dismissing that I instead need to acknowledge and heal? Okay. Now, finally, the third foundation is doing an inventory of what's to gain by going on this journey. You know, when we experience abuse, two things are usually occurring. We gain irrational thoughts, pain, anger, distrust, and we lose relationships, security, freedom, energy, joy. Recovery is about the journey of bringing back to life all of those things that were lost, deadened, beaten out of you, but not destroyed as a result of the abuse. And I really want to drive that point home. Sometimes it can feel like these things are gone, and they're gone for good, good relationships, feeling good about ourselves, having energy, having joy, sexuality. can feel like they're just off in the atmosphere, and we can't have them. But really what's happened is that these parts of ourselves have just been covered up as a result of the abuse. They're not destroyed. They're there. It's just about recovering them. It's just about revealing them again. 
And a very common thread that ties us together as survivors of abuse is this desire, you know, to stop certain thoughts or behaviors and to, you know, live, to have our lives feel normal, to feel like we're not constantly struggling and battling and fighting something. But as a result of that, we're often focused on what we want to cut out rather than what we want to add in when we start this journey. So what I want to encourage you to do is actually spend time reflecting on what it is you would like to get back that was lost as a result of the abuse. Knowing what you want to add in will get you much further along than focusing on what it is you want to cut out. So I don't know about you, but anytime I'm told, don't do that, stop that, quit that, boy, my inner two-year-old just goes, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not listening to that and pushes back and fights. So when I instead say, okay, here's something that I want to stop, what do I need to start instead? What would I, if, if that were to go away, what would I need to begin today to actually start moving in that new direction? So, for example, one client wanted to stop feeling extreme anger every time her boyfriend failed her in some way. And as we worked together, we discovered that one of the things she had lost as a result of childhood abuse was the ability to trust that she could depend on others, which, fair enough. I've certainly been there. I'm sure many of you listening um, can relate to that. But her way of responding to disappointment was out of balance. And so she had spent many, many years doing this, well, I just need to stop feeling angry. I just need to quit that. You know, I need to stop feeling this. And so we shifted away from talking about how to stop being angry and instead focused on what she would need to start thinking or doing in order to trust others. So she learned new communication skills. She started looking for times when the boyfriend came through for her rather than focusing only on the mistakes. And what's amazing is when she really turned her perspective and shifted her focus to how does my boyfriend show up for me, there was actually a lot of great things that he was doing. And the times when he was falling short were actually few and far between. But because she was so intent on, you know, this he's not going to show up for me, people are always going to fail me, boy, she was out there seeing that every second she got. Another thing she began doing was to just challenge that belief, that exact belief that others will always let her down. So having in her back pocket these start behaviors, these what she wants to be focusing on and doing instead, and letting go of this idea that she needs to stop being angry, she needs to cut out her emotions, after two months she was able to respond to being let down or disappointed in a healthy way minus the excessive anger. So, for example, rather than blowing up when her boyfriend didn't come through for her, she would use one of the breathing techniques that I taught her to calm her body and mind, or she would journal about how she felt in the situation and then communicate to him the impact his choice had had on her and explore options, you know, like, okay, how can we not fall into that in the future? What can we do differently there? So recovery is about the journey of bringing back to life all those things again, that were deadened but not destroyed. It's about drawing out or uncovering your authentic self. And you can do this by focusing on what behaviors and thoughts you want to start rather than what you want to stop. 
So how do you access that? How do you find that in yourself? Well, I encourage you to write a list of the things that you would like to get back that the experience of abuse has taken away. What would you like to bring back to life? What would be present in your life if you were living instead of surviving? So some examples of this from my own life and from my clients, things like ability to trust, feeling peaceful, having a great sex life, uh, being able to communicate my needs, able to set boundaries, uh, feeling beautiful, yeah, any of those things, even things like just being able to go to work. You know, sometimes we can feel so debilitated um, and stuck that we just can't get out of bed or, you know, energized. I want to feel energized. I want to be living into my purpose and doing the things that I care about, being with friends, all of those things, you know, that when we're abused, you know, all these areas of life get impacted. And so, I really want to encourage you to take some time to sit down and think about what it is you want to get back and re- and notice how easy it'll be for you to fall into the, well, I don't want to, right? <laughs> I don't want to feel angry. So whenever you notice that, what's coming up is a, a something that needs to be stopped, a don't. Just think about, okay, what is the opposite of that? What would need to begin so if I don't want to feel angry, what I want is to feel peaceful, to feel calm, to feel grounded, right? So this list uh, is a really great resource to have in your back pocket. I call it the what's to gain list uh, with my clients. And, and it's really just a, when the journey gets hard, you can come back to this list to remind yourself what you're fighting for. What's to gain by going to your group, by going to your therapist, by starting a program of recovery, by, you know, reading a book, whatever the case may be, you know, it's the why bother of all of this. You know, it's at the heart of why it matters for you to transform. So just to review the three ways to build a strong foundation for recovery, We first want to believe that healing is possible. We've got to open that door. We've got to, you know, step through. And whatever part of us, whatever naysaying part of us, or even outside critics, those people outside of you who say, well, that's just the way you are and that's how you're going to be, you know, forget them. It's your journey. It's your life. You get to choose. Stepping in, just having that willingness to believe that it's actually possible. The second step, the second foundation, is to stop minimizing and dismissing and instead acknowledge what's going on for you. We can't heal, we can't move forward if we're not willing to say out loud what's not working. Yeah, And I mean, I really was an expert at that. I, you know, I, from, from 10 until 26, I was a pro. And it was in that moment when I said, all right, enough is enough. If I don't change something, if I don't shift my life right now and figure this out and face the facts and deal with this, I've got a long journey to nowhere in front of me. 
And sometimes we need that kick in the butt reflection too. Like if if you stay on this path, where are you headed? Where is it going to take you? I know for me that that made a big difference and was one of the key things that really spurred me on to to sort it out, to figure out how we can actually move past um, the pain and the hurt and move on with our lives after sexual abuse. And finally, the third piece, getting present to what's to gain from the journey, right? The why bother? What's in it for me? What's in it for my family? Many of my clients who come to me who have children, uh, husbands, you know, a lot of that uh, is related to, um, well, you know, if, if I transform, if I change and I heal, then I can be a better mom or I can be a better parent or I can be a better dad, can be a better partner, right? It trickles down. It's daughter, sister, you know, all of that. It just trickles down into all of our relationships. So that's also a part of it. All right. So those are the three ways to build a strong foundation for recovery. Really set yourself up for success. Thank you for tuning in and joining us today. Don't forget to visit www.rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other resources available on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. We have so much more to share. Join me next time when I'll be talking about the three stages of recovery, victim, survivor, and beyond surviving. We'll also distinguish the difference between coaching and therapy and the role each can play in the journey of recovery. Until then, take good care of you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.